Hello there. My name is Jay Vensky. I'm uh, one of the pastoral care uh, team members here at Real Life Church. And we are continuing the series Up Close and Interpersonal, where we're talking about relationships, boundaries, communication, all things that we really need because, you know, communication is easy until there's another person involved, right? Well, actually, I've had, have you ever had times where you argue with yourself? I've had that too, so I guess I need help with that as well. But so you can tell today we have a panel that's going to share with you great wisdom about communication. And so we have over on the far side here, Pastor Steve Murray. Um, You've been, you are the senior pastor, founding pastor at Real Life Church, Um, but more impressively, been married 40 years. 40 years this April. Yep. And is a father and a grandfather. Yep. And then right next to me is Hannah Grant. So Hannah is a graduate of Whitworth. Do we have any Pirates fans? Anybody? Come on. Yeah. Yep. Um, Hannah's a business professional in the marketing world, and you just got engaged recently and will be married in September. Yes, getting married in September. I'm so excited. (laughs) And she also volunteers in our youth department and is a youth leader there mentoring um, teenagers, right? Okay. Over here, we've got Dante Delgado. Dante, businessman, father husband, and I know I was out for breakfast with somebody, you know, well, back when restaurants were fully open before they shut down and then it reopened, but um, ran into Dante mentoring a young man out to breakfast, so I know that Dante does mentoring as well, and then we've got Janet Shu. Janet, yeah, you give some applause there. Janet. Janet has been married 30 years. Another great feat of marriage. Um, She's a mother, um, has been counseling for nine plus years, and is now, I'll get this right, the behavioral health manager at Vine Maple Place. So a professional counselor with Janet here. So um, with this panel, you can see there's something for everybody. So whatever your situation is, have your ears open, have your spirit open, because there's going to be some great nuggets of wisdom that are coming out of this panel. So what we want to start off with first, real quick, just want to find out, you know, what's the little secret thing that most people don't know, maybe that's a little thing about you, maybe it's a talent, maybe it's a hobby, something like that that you have that you can tell us, that'd be something we don't know yet. Uh, I love to sculpt wire. And I love to paint. And I collect kaleidoscopes. <laughs> and um, I feed water buffaloes. <laughs> That's, we'll, we'll move on. I, I have more I could say with that. Since you have the mic, let's go to Dante. So um, I would, one thing to share that's interesting outside of what Jay shared is um, uh, me and my wife just recently joined Real Life a couple months ago, um, part of the prayer team. Um, that's one good thing. And then another good thing that's completely unrelated, uh, but is interesting is, um, I, I enjoy skydiving, um, not have not done it as much as I would love to, but, uh, I also don't like roller coasters. So there you go. 
I'm terrified of skydiving. I did paragliding once, but I could never skydive. Um, I, my name is a palindrome. Same forwards and backwards, my name. It's a palindrome. Oh, right. <laughs> That's a right. fun random fact. Yeah, nice. Wow. That's cool. Janet? <laughs> um, I collect chamber pots. <laughs> chamber pots, you know? <laughs> and at some point, I want to have a conversation with you about how that got started. Okay. So, but um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Like you put like ashes, like from dead people in no, it? No, no. Cha- chamber pots. You set them next to your bed, and so instead of going out to the outhouse, you use the chamber pot. Oh, I need one of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saves time. Uh, <laughs> so, let's jump into some communication. So we've been in a really interesting time period, right? A season that hopefully we'll never have to go through with being shelter in place, pandemic, restaurant shutdown, all these different types of things that have made a lot of relationship stuff really difficult for us. So, so I want to find out, during these, this time of conflict, during this time of stress, what are some things you've learned about communication? Well, since you're looking at me, I, I, I think one of the things that comes to my mind is I don't have to agree for me to understand. So sometimes I think people think that in order for you to understand, you have to agree with somebody. But I've, I just noticed that understanding doesn't have that prerequisite that you agree. Um, you may find out that you do agree once you get understanding, but the two don't have to be the same. And that flows into so many different areas. If you're communicating about politics or parenting or different aspects like that, that's really good. Anybody else want to add to that? Yeah, I'll go. Um, Conflict is okay, and healthy conflict can happen. I think this has been just a stressful time for everybody. We can all agree. And when we're stressed, we're not always our best selves. But approaching conflict in a healthy manner and respecting the relationship and that person on the other end first has been huge for me and my relationships with friends, family, Ethan, everybody. Yeah, that's so good, because not feeling like something's wrong if there's conflict, right. that is gonna, that's so good. I think for me, uh, being intentional, uh, intentional in coming to resolutions with conflict, because sometimes we can have conflict that's just noise and it's not actually getting us anywhere, um, but being intentional about attempting to get to a resolution in conflict has been good because when you're locked in the house with five people for a long period of time, you learn to do that. Wow, that's good. So so identifying the different types of conflict that are there, and that's really good. Janet, do you want to add these? um, I think, uh, you know, Hannah, I agree with you that, you know, it's part of life and conflict is going to happen whether we're in a pandemic or not. Um, But uh, in Lamentations, and I, I, I don't know the address, right off the top of my head, but it talks about, look, you know, God's mercies for us are new each day, and I just, I love that because I want to get that in my head because that's how I want to look at everyone that I work with, is that you're new every day, and so I can't carry all this goop from yesterday and bring it into today, and that helps me solve conflict. Okay. Keep the mic, Jane, and I'm coming right back to you. So, with communication, does... Does your communication style shift? Do you change the way you communicate based upon the personality style or the communication style 
of the person that you're talking to? How do you navigate through that as far as do you change your communication style with different um, people? Yeah, you know, I thought about that because I, I said yes, but then I also want to say no because it, it does change that the integrity and my intention toward that person is, is a yes or excuse me, a no, it doesn't change. But really where I'm at with that person in a relationship makes a difference in how I communicate, how vulnerable I get, you know, what the goal is. And, um, you know, if I'm in a high, you know, the highest level of relationship with my husband, I'm going to work with him differently than I would with someone, um, you know, that I'm just, whatever, going out to dinner with or something like that. Yeah, it does change yeah. for me. Okay, and Janet just mentioned communicating with her husband. So Steve, married 40 years. What about communication style with your spouse compared to employees or different people? So specifically I think changing with your spouse. Yeah, I think it's um, completely, can be completely different. Um, because you know the story of your spouse, you have history, you know what triggers them and what doesn't, and oftentimes when you're with an employee or a coworker or you're with somebody in the community, you don't know the whole story. You don't know what wounds they carry or what things they've experienced. And so you have to, you have to be aware that while you're talking, you're trying to discern where they're at or where they've where they're coming from because if you just go blah right into a political conversation or a spiritual conversation or a relationship conversation and you don't know that what you're talking about opens up a deep wound that's a challenging thing so with my wife the the two of us we we have worked through things over the years that that help us now today but we had to work through them. And so I can't just go raw into a conversation like that with some folks that I don't know their, their, their history or their story. But my wife and I, we have a common story, and so we have a common uh, foundation to work off of. Mm -hmm. So good. Dante, can you address the same thing, changing communication styles with coworkers because I know you were working in person for quite a while, working with teams of people. Now it's all Zoom. And how has your communication style changed with coworkers, or what are some tips on that, either in person or Zoom meetings? Yeah, so it's 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 different, right? Because you're you're you some of these people you haven't met in person before, and you're also communicating in written. You have written communication. You also have video, and what you find a lot of times is you have to kind of think through more what you're going to say. I think in person you can get body language over video it's not as easy and so you have to be intentional i mean this is like there's intentionality to thinking through what you're going to say and how you're communicating and how it can come across even more so uh when it's uh, an email or a slack message or whatever the case may be um because you don't know how they're going to perceive it you also have a as steve said right there's even more of a dimension uh, of how you know that person removed from your communication with them. And so there's a lot more thought process that go goes into your communication with you know people you're working with. Yeah. Hannah, so friendships mm -hmm. during COVID, or how do you communicate with friends? How do you um, decide when to go deep yeah. with somebody new and really expose your heart? How do you, how do you navigate communication and friendships? 
So for me, I moved from Spokane where I went to school back to this side of Washington um, last March. And so all my best friends, some of my best friends are still in Spokane. And so our communication has been completely virtual up until a few times that I've been able to go to Spokane and visit them. Um, so that's been hard to navigate because life has still gone on and I got engaged. They've, my, one of my other friends is now going to get engaged and conflict still happens in life and not being able to have those face-to-face conversations obviously is more difficult, but learning how to adapt and preserve the friendship first and knowing how to approach what's going to be best to best serve this relationship and make it last and go further. Um, and then, yeah, all my friends here, I think we all just have an understanding that life sucks sometimes and you just got to be real with each other. But I'm just so thankful for the friends that I do have who I can go deep with and can just be my most vulnerable self and they just approach it with open arms. So, Good, good. So we all know communication is talking, but communication is also listening. Being an effective listener is an art form, and maybe we don't hear enough about that. So whoever wants to jump in on this, how can you be an effective listener when you're in a conversation with somebody? What, what are some tips? I think there's a, a couple of things. There's like a, um, a, common, a common respect we have for people based on what the Bible says based on what we know, uh, those of us that follow Jesus, um, and how we treat people. Right. Um, but there's, there's also dynamics to different relationships that you have to learn to adjust to in order to be a great listener. Right. Um, it has been, I have worked, had to work harder at being a better listener with my spouse than I've had to, uh, with friends or people that I don't have deeper relationships with, um, because it's easy to take for granted those that you're familiar with. And so because you're familiar with them, you have to work harder at it because as you're interacting with that person, that dialogue is consistently going because you're used to who they are and you know what they're going to say before they say it in most cases. Um, and so some tips around that is, uh, we know that the Bible says to be slow to speak and quick to listen and keeping those things in mind as you interact with people uh, really helps because it's, you're keeping yourself in check and you're understanding that what they're saying is more important than what you have to say. I think that's so good. Growing up, my mom always said, whenever I would approach her with something, she would say, do you want advice or do you just want to hear? And I think that I've been able to implement that into my life too, approaching conversations with anybody and asking, do you want my advice or do you just want me to listen? Because I think when someone comes to us with a difficult situation, we can be so quick to jump and fix them when they don't need fixing, they just need someone to word vomit to. And so I think recognizing the situation and what that person needs and moving forward accordingly, that, that's been a saving grace for me. So good. Yeah. I, I thought of these two scriptures. Um, in James 1.19 says, uh, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become a- angry. And then in Proverbs it says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and his shame. And so both of those scriptures, you know, uh, really put the emphasis on listen before you think about what you're going to say. 
okay? And so I think that sometimes I will formulate how I'm going to respond to this thing I don't agree with that they're saying, and I'm not listening to what they're saying. And so, you know, the, these scriptures are a reminder to me to be, be a little quicker to listen and less quick to spout out the wisdom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. You have anything you want to add or you don't have to? Okay. Now, so, so we, we listen, we communicate, we express our feelings. Now, when you work through a conflict with somebody, and Janet will come to you on this one, okay? When we work through a conflict with somebody, we feel like we're in good shape, we've come to a good situation, a close to it, but their attitude is still funky. They're still carrying an attitude toward you. What do you do then? How do you, how do you carry that conversation forward or continue the healing process forward? What is it up to you to do at that point to continue the process? with somebody who's still carrying an attitude toward yeah. you? Um, you know, I, I think first all, of all, we have to check ourselves as to why am I having a problem with the fact that their disposition isn't so positive and cheery and agreeable towards me. You know, um, as a recovering codependent, <laughs> you know, oh, I want you to like me. Um, and it's, it's not always a reality that um, we have to kind of sit with that um, tension a little bit and um, you know I, I think again you have to put it in a place with how how do you value this relationship where is it going what does it mean for your life and are you gonna move it forward from um, being whatever like an acquaintance or something or do, do you need to go deeper and and if that's the case then it's it's gonna take some pursuing and um, probably time you know I don't have like a, a pat answer but we do have to do that internal work to see where why we're reacting the way that we are. Yeah, so check ourselves too along with. Okay, yeah. now what about if someone keeps talking down to you? You're trying to communicate with them, but they're treating you like you're less than. How do you shift your communication or how do you break through with that? I, I think, uh, so you, you have to recognize oftentimes what happens is when that's a form of manipulation at times uh, when people belittle you or talk down to you. Uh, it's, a, it's an effort to get control or to, um, to win, if you will. And um, I, I, it's also a sign that they themselves are insecure with their view of themselves. And so one of, one of the things that I will do is... Um, I might say something like, you know, I'm not really sure why, but I'm not liking what I'm feeling right now. And I, had, I did that once to another pastor that was talking to me. Uh, and it was a kind of a belittling type conversation. And I said, you know, I, I really am uncomfortable with how I feel right now. Do you know why that would be? So it's kind of a polite way of calling it out. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and s instead of just, you know, giving them the one finger, right? You know, it's like what you feel like sometimes, right? And that's what you feel, but there's a, st there, there's a better way to communicate, yeah. right? As opposed to just giving it back. Oh, you're going to make me feel small. Well, let me show you how small I can make you feel. Mm -hmm. Okay, we can do that with our spouses. We can one-up each other, right? 
And when you start to feel yourself escalated, well, you did this. Well, yeah, but you did that. You know, it's like when you start doing that, you know you're going down the way of the world, right? Yeah. But there's a spiritual way to handle these things, which is having open, honest communication to, hey, you know, I really don't like how that makes me feel. Um, can we talk about that piece of this? Because there's the issue, and then there's the way the issue is handling. And usually the way you handle the issue causes more problem than the issue. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know, so, so sometimes the issue is not the issue. The issue is how we responded to the issue. And so when I recognize, like when I'm doing that, like if I'm, you know, I'm just adding fuel to this fire, then I got to get back here to slow to listen. I mean, uh, quick to listen, right. slow to speak. Yeah. So he just touched on the difference between escalating the tension or diffusing the tension. So do any of you have a real quick um, addition to how you do that? Because Steve gave us some pointers right there. Actually, I just wanted to highlight the verse in Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up yeah. anger. That um, It's so true. I mean, our automatic reaction is to be defensive and, and get angry. Um, so. Yeah, good. And last week, we had a great conversation about boundaries. And so this also plays into boundaries. So I'll throw this out to anybody. You know, what, what are some important boundaries that you need to have when you're communicating with other people. Uh, it goes into the escalating and diffusing. It goes into people talking down to you. It goes into all of these things that we've, we've just talked about. Boundaries is a portion of moving forward with that. So, I, I, so kind of back to the other question, but into going into boundaries. One of the things, I think one of the great tools with communication, this is something that I think all of us can really utilize, is sometimes we make statements that cause, that break boundaries, that cause defensiveness, that cause reactions, that cause one-upness. Statements often damage communication. You are, you never, those kinds of things. But questions tend to open people up. So if you're having troubles with your teenager or you're having troubles with communicating with your parents or your spouse or your friends or coworkers or whatever, ask yourself, do I ask questions or do I make more statements than ask questions? When you ask questions, you open people up to respond according to what they think and feel. When you make statements, oftentimes you get the pushback from their defense mechanisms. So we have to really be aware of that. And then, in doing so, by asking questions, you're also being able to find out where people's boundaries are at, okay? And so when you feel defensiveness, you can pretty much assume that you're probably either touching on a real sore subject with them or you're tapping into another issue or an old wound or something along those lines, and you may be crossing into a boundary that you got to be aware of. And so you have to be careful with that. And I, and I think, too, to, to add to that is it's very, a lot of the underlining dynamics here are how we understand ourselves and what we deal with inside of ourselves. And there's roots to issues that we have. Um, as, as was mentioned when, when you're talking about being 
defensive or uh, when we're looking at reaching boundaries or pushing buttons, a lot of it begins with ourselves, evaluating ourselves, evaluating uh, not only the triggers but the wounds that we have and dealing with them in a way so that we don't respond in certain instances incorrectly or we don't push boundaries or we don't um, shrink back when someone is crossing boundaries, we don't speak up against it or uh, deal with it accordingly. Um, you know, I had a manager, um, a director I used to work with um, a couple years ago, and uh, I found that there was a, a, t a lot of meetings we were in, he kept being condescending in the way that he would talk to me, in the way that he would deal with any things that I was dealing with. And I hadn't experienced that before in the professional dynamic. And I was talking with my wife, and you know, she called out a very good, um, area of improvement for me of being now it didn't bother me as much as I thought it did every day but what I seen and what God recognized or helped me recognize is there was a passiveness in me to not deal with that and it set a poor example for those around me that seen it and so for me I, w I had to reach out talk to have a conversation because that person didn't think they were doing what they were doing and it had to do with something that was going on with them personally. And so there's interesting dynamics that you find out when you address yourself first in these, these instances, especially when it comes to boundaries. Yeah. Okay, Hannah, coming to you. Um, when you're with somebody who's living, they've got different standards, values, beliefs than you do, and you're having a friendship or a communication with them, um, how do you communicate respectfully with them when what they believe is so different mm. than, than what you believe? Well, I'm not God. I'm not the ultimate judger. So that's, mm. not, that's not for me to judge the way that they're living, the things that they do, the beliefs that they have. If anything, I feel like it's more of a propeller to pursue a relationship deeper with that person because I know that in situations like that it's hard to make this shift but you can think of it instead of worrying about what they're going to say what am I going to how do I respond if they say something that triggers me opening your mind to think of it as a learning experience and realizing that everything in their life that they've gone through has shaped them to be where they're at and same with me and so I would hope that they would give me the same respect that I have with my value belief system as I would for them, so. That's good. Anybody else want to touch on that one real fast? I do. Okay. Sorry, I keep grabbing this, but I, I'm, this one's, I'm really, this is one that just came up just recently. Um, when you're dealing with somebody, like if you're going to high school and you got friends that aren't Christian and don't have the same moral um, position that you take, uh, or you're, you're, you're a parent and maybe your son or daughter um, doesn't agree with your faith uh, and they've moved out of the house and they're living their lives the way they want. Whatever the case may be, um, when there's a conflict because of what you have chosen to be your foundation, and, but they don't have that same foundation, then find where you have a common foundation. So... Like, for instance, if somebody says, well, I'm not a Christian, I'm a, um, I'm a Buddhist, okay? So then you don't have scripture necessarily as the foundation. So you don't say things like, uh, well, the Bible says, right? Okay, so a lot of times Christians will do these kinds of things. Well, God, or the Bible, or the scripture, 
Right? But, but that's not the foundation of the person you're talking to. So find the common foundation that you both agree on. Like, so you may f- have the common understanding that our family is valuable. So start with that. Well, you know, as a family, we do this or we value this. And so start with the common foundation as opposed to trying to use your foundation to be their foundation. Yeah. And so you miss them by, by starting with that foundation. That may have to be a goal down the road, but right now we're talking about the love that we have as a mother and daughter or a father and a son. Start with that foundation and then work out from there. Very good. Dante, is there ever a time that you need to just leave a conversation because it's gotten too hot? <laughs> Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, but uh, do you need to leave yeah. for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I won't name names, but um, yeah. And I'm, I'm actually um, more of the, I have been the culprit in certain instances of the one not leaving the conversation to be long-winded about it. But um, uh, yes, because I've learned that giving yourself time to not only think, but also to kind of have that uh, dialogue um, with God about things that you're feeling, Um, having those conversations where you can reassess yourself is important because in the heat of the moment, like Steve had mentioned, right? Like uh, things can escalate in conversation and you're just kind of trying to see who hits the hardest in some instances, um, who has the, the, the better, um, the better argument. And so, it allows for time for you to kind of think and scale back the emotions that may be involved in the conversation so that you can get to, again, like I had mentioned earlier, a, a point of resolution. That's a conversation uh, that we have, you know, in our, in our family dynamic is, are we trying to get to a resolution or we just want to have an argument or just want to talk through something or just want to share feelings and identifying that? Um, it gives you time to reassess that because sometimes in the heat of the moment, you, you're not you walk it into a, a conflict in that way. Um, and it gives you time to kind of settle down and, and realize the either seriousness or non-seriousness of an issue. Because if it's trivial and the con- conflict and conversation about that you're having is trivial, sometimes it's not worth it to go back and dig into something, but just come to a quick agreement about it and move on. Awesome. Okay, I've got one question for Janet. And then what we're going to do is we're going to do a lightning round where they have no idea what questions are going to be coming at them, and we're just going to do a quick lightning round, keep them on their toes, give you some good information. So, Janet, you're a counselor. You work with mental health. You work with communication styles, things like that. So in our conversation here, what, what's a quick thing on the top, off the top of your head that we haven't covered, that we haven't asked, or we should know that's a key to effective communication? Wow, do we have an hour? <laughs> I mean, we've covered so much, um, but communication is a, is a big issue. I kind of wanted to tag on with what you yeah. said, um, Dante, with the, and give you a practical like statement to say, like if you've got a teenager who, um, you know, or children in the home or whatever, your spouse, that you can say, you know what, I'm too angry about this right now, let's get back together in a half an hour. 
yeah. and talk about it. And um, just you're giving yourself, you know, giving both people, the group, space to calm down. I think that's so important. And then coming back after reevaluating, you know, what's going on in your head, but you're calmer, much calmer. And that's a better place for us to come from than that heightened level of emotion. Um, I think the biggest thing with communication um, that I've learned over the years, just not in counseling, but as a person, is presence, is being present in the moment. And, and that does take a, a level of calmness. You know, you can stand there and be heated with somebody and take a nice deep breath and try to calm yourself down and really focus on, on what they're saying and be present with them. It's such a gift that we can give to each other um, instead of the, you know, running the tape in our head of how we're going to answer. And, and honestly, I have found that joy lies in, in being present with people, but it takes a lot of practice because our heads are moving all the time. But I, I, I would say that that's the biggest thing that I wanted to add. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. Okay, so whoever has the mics, you're going to be the first ones to answer and then you pass the mic to the person who doesn't have it, and then when you, then you keep the mic, and you're going to go first on the next question, okay? okay. This is the way it's going to work. So we've got about 15 seconds, 20 seconds per answer. Okay. You ready? What are the rules again? <laughs> okay, so the first one is, well, you, you don't have kids, so no. this first one has to do with kids. <laughs> nice. Okay. But you, you, can, you can answer it according to friends or fiancé or, okay? So, yeah, and, and you work with youth. So, there, there we go. So, anyway, here's, here's the quick. My kids push my buttons and I lose my stuff. What should I do when that happens? Pray. <laughs> pray. Yeah, uh, yeah, pray. <laughs> adult kids so yeah I've got to allow them autonomy which can be really a struggle sometimes because mom mode kicks in I want to boss them around and tell them my opinion so backing <laughs> off <laughs> okay well you have to ask yourself well what are your buttons and what mm. can you do to make it so that when they push it nothing uh, is triggered right so recognize that kids are going to say things that um, are disrespectful but you, whatever you do, if they're little kids, make sure you're consistent with how you respond so that they know that when they do this or they say this, that you immediately are going to do this. You're not going to count. You're just going to do it, right? So it's really important that you're consistent. Mm -hmm. uh, context matters. So if you understand the dynamics of what's going on. Maybe they're, you know, I have teenagers and I have a five-year-old, so context matters. So depending on where they're at in life and what's going on with them, sometimes the answers or the response is a little different. Okay, next question. So when I'm with a person or I'm in a situation that feels unsafe, I feel unsafe with them or I feel unsafe in this situation, how do I communicate through that? How do I navigate through that real fast? Do what Steve said. <laughs> um, the question that was asked, uh, I feel this way right now. Just call yeah. it out. Just move on. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were saying that you feel in an unsafe situation right now. <sighs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Calling it out. I've never been in a situation like that, so I don't necessarily know what I would do in the moment. Um, 
but yeah, I'm just going to go with that. Okay. Yeah, I think, you know, again, context makes a difference. The classic response is, when you do this, I feel this, and if you keep doing this, I'm going to do this, and you get out of Dodge if you have to. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything you want to add real fast? Okay. <laughs> Next one. I don't know how to start or engage in a conversation. Any tips on starting conversations, engaging? Yeah, find that common ground that Steve was talking about. If you have a commonality, whether it's soccer or dance or music, just something that you guys share, you can immediately start a conversation that will then lead to deeper conversation in other areas that is transferable and you can dive deeper into a relationship and conversation. Great. Ask questions. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. A lot of people don't know what to say because they're trying to say something profound or something. They're trying to add to the conversation. Just ask questions. Yeah. And then you find that common ground through the conversation, through the questions. It's good. That's what you were going to say? Um, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're out to dinner. Couples and a friend's spouse talks won't let me get a word in edgewise. What can I do in that situation? I mean, it, body language is a lot. So, you, you know, signaling that you want to be a part of the conversation is a good thing to do. Hey, can I say something? Or excuse me, I think it's, I mean, not being afraid to jump in and kind of throw an interruption when a pause is there is, is, is okay thing to do, I think. Yeah. Just jump into conversations, I would do. Make them feel a little uncomfortable, make a joke out of it. <laughs> Don't ask them any questions. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last, last question. I like being alone. I don't really want to be social, and I really don't want to change. Is that okay? Do I have to change? Do I have to be social? Yes. <laughs> yes, it's okay, or yes, I have to change? No, we have to change. <laughs> no, because we're relational, and um, we get enriched lives by interacting with people. So, yeah, it's important. And I think if there's somebody like that in your life, um, whether, I, gosh, over and over again, kids are, are wanting to isolate and not be around other kids. At least that's what I'm hearing in my world. And uh, it's really important as parents to um, put them in situations where they can stretch themselves and be around other people. I also think that one of the things is, is usually that's the sign of somebody being an introvert versus an extrovert. And I think that sometimes introverts don't um, see the value that they bring to relationships as like extroverts can clearly see uh, where they bring value, right? Um, and, and they let you know that. And so the thing is, is that you may not need as many friends as an extrovert does, but the extroverts and the people around you need your presence. We have one pastor in our pastor's group locally that is a very big extrovert. And he very seldom prays and he very, very seldom says anything. But when he does say something, it's profound. And his spirit around us is what we need. 
And uh, so he brings a lot to the table. But one time I spent an evening with him and one other pastor, just the three of us sitting on his back deck, and we were just having fellowship. And he says, this is the first time that I've done something like this in many years. And I thought, oh, wow, he's totally happy with how his life goes, very little social, but he didn't realize how much he brought to our lives. So I would say, recognize that you bring something, so put yourself in an uncomfortable place. So good. Thank you so much, every one of you, for being on this panel, sharing your wisdom and knowledge. So can we give it up for our panelists today? Thank you. Such good stuff. So, it, there was something there for everybody. We have such a um, wise group of people who are giving out knowledge today. Make sure to, you know, watch this again. Go online, watch the service. There's more tips that you can get out of this. And it was fantastic. Amazing. So. Can we give it up for Jay for facilitating? And... Well, before we dismiss, and if you're online, make sure you stay tuned in for just a moment. We've got a few announcements and next steps for you. If something today, maybe uh, it poked at something in your life and in, in your relationships and you need prayer, we would actually love to pray with you. We've got our prayer partners here uh, in person. If you need prayer for anything related or anything unrelated, and maybe you're ready to begin a journey with Jesus, best decision you can ever make in your entire life and for eternity. So make sure that you uh, come and find one of our prayer partners. We would love to pray with you and help you take that step in your journey. And maybe you've already said yes to Jesus, but you're ready to take the next step. And that looks like baptisms. We've got baptisms coming up in just a few weeks, and we would love to uh, join you in that in that part of your journey. Such a significant moment, and it's an amazing way for our church family to celebrate. First time we've done baptisms in person in a long time, and so we are excited about that. Come on, are you excited to see people take that next step? And uh, all you need to know is go to reallifechurch.com slash baptism, and you can find out all of that information if you or somebody you know would like to get baptized. And uh, maybe your next step is growth track or life groups, both great ways for you to kind of begin to step forward. And our life group season begins just after next week. And so if you haven't yet and you want to, this is your last opportunity this week to sign up to lead a life group. So maybe you're at home and you're saying, I'm still not ready to come in person, but you'd like to host a Zoom group, an online group, maybe a church uh, at home group, and you're, you're uh, rehashing the sermon and asking questions, all that kind of stuff. You can do anything that fits your rhythm. Just invite some people into it. All you need to know is go to reallifechurch.com slash groups, uh, and you can apply there. Just take, takes a moment or come talk to me. I would love to help get you hooked up with that. And after all of that, hey, how many of you are ready for Easter? You're not ready for Easter. You're not ready. But I am ready. We missed Easter last year in person. And of course, we're going to be online and in person. We've got three experiences, 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30. And you can find out all the information you need at reallifechurch.com slash Easter. There's going to be some awesome ways for you to get plugged in and help serve. And one of the things that is really excited that we are launching on Easter Sunday, uh, actually, I think we're launching the week before, is our brand new church 
church online platform. And this is really special, not only for um, those at home, but you as well in person for you to know we are moving to a church online platform that really helps it to be a personalized and engaging experience for every person watching at home or wherever, wherever they watch from. And this is really going to help us to make online church a, a community thing and an engaging thing. And so we're launching that with a brand new website this next week. So we're really excited about that. You can go to our website to find all that you need. And eventually it's just going to click over. You go to reallifechurch.com, the old website will be done and the brand new one will be up. And we're really excited about that. Okay. That's all we've got for you. Why don't you stand up with me? Stand up with me. I'll pray uh, us out as we discuss.